Please open up your Bible to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 23 and 24 today. We're finishing it off. It's always sad when we get to the end of a book of the Bible, but boy, this one has a really good ending. I'm, I'm uh, grateful for Chris Nordstrom who came all the way from Esparto here uh, last week uh, to preach and, and cover for me when I was gone. And he he uh, uh, kept things moving. Uh, he covered the uh, chapter 22 uh, last week. Next week, we will hear uh, a report from the Navajo mission team uh, that went and served uh, uh, last month. So that that's going to be fun. Uh, one of the one of the uh, last books of the Bible that my predecessor, Pastor Henry Tucker, preached was this one was was the book of Joshua. And I can still remember uh, sitting out there where you guys are sitting and listening to to him preach uh, those sermons. Uh, sometimes when a when a when a pastor announces his retirement, there's a fear that you know, that they're going to be weakened somehow. They're going to be kind of a lame duck or something. But man, that was not the case at all with Pastor Henry. In fact, I think some of his uh, final uh, sermons were some of the most powerful that he ever preached. And part of the reason for that, and and he and he uh, said so, sometimes he said so from up here, was because he he just felt like he had this freedom at that point. He felt like he, he had this freedom because what he could say whatever he wanted to say because what were you going to do? Fire him, right? <laughs> and he always preached with passion and with conviction and, and in a way that, that challenged and stretched us. But at that point, he knew that his time behind the pulpit was, was coming to an end. And he wanted to make sure that he left us with, with a challenge and with an encouragement to stay faithful to God always. And, and I couldn't help but think of, of Henry as I was reading through these last two chapters in Joshua. Uh, so Joshua has uh, taken the lead over from Moses. Uh, he has entered into the land with the people. Uh, he has successfully wiped out all of the nations and won the battles that God told him he was going to win. He had followed Moses' instructions for what they were supposed to do when they got there. Uh, He had divided up the land among the twelve nations. And then Joshua enjoys this time of peace and rest. And near the end of his life, Joshua has some strong words of encouragement and challenge for the people. Look at Joshua chapter 23, starting in verse 1. It came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side. And Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads, their judges and their officers. He said to them, I'm old, advanced in years, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is He who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes with all the nations which I have cut off 
from the Jordan even to the great sea toward the setting sun, the Lord your God, He will thrust them out from before you and will drive them from before you. And you will possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left so that you'll not associate with these nations these which remain among you or or mention the name of their gods or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. At the, at the very beginning of this book, if you can remember all the way back in chapter 1 of Joshua, Mo, uh, 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 God speaks to Joshua. It's God who is uh, preparing Joshua for the fight ahead. In Joshua 1.7, God says, be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all that the law, uh, that, that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And here, uh, at the end of the book, it's Joshua echoing those same words that God spoke at the beginning Be strong. Be strong and very courageous. Back then, the the strength was to prepare them for war. It was to get them ready because there was a fight that they had to face. And God is is telling Joshua, be strong because you're going to face some hard things, but I'm there, I'm with you, I'm going ahead of you. The fight is already won. But here here at the end of the book, it's, it's over. God kept His promise. God had gone before them. God did fight their battle. God did win. Fighting's been done now for a while. And I think Joshua recognizes that maybe the only thing more dangerous than than wartime for the people is peacetime. During the fighting, they're constantly forced to rely on God. They know that they need Him. They're always leaning into Him. They're always watching for where God's going to take them next. It was obvious during those battles that God was there. But during peacetime, it's super easy to get complacent. Get comfortable, get lazy and apathetic. It's harder to see how and where God is leading and moving in our midst. And during those idle times, those those peace times, we become more self-reliant. We become kind of forgetful. There's no doubt that, that courage and strength are needed when you're facing a battle but maybe even more courage and even more strength will be needed in the face of routine, boring, day-to-day life. So here, Joshua wants to encourage them to continually, constantly reject those false gods that are all around them. They needed courage to be able to continually 
reject the, the draw to blend in to their culture and those other countries that were around them. They needed courage to keep on trusting God day after day after day, even when they didn't see Him in the same way that they used to. So Joshua's parting words here make a lot of sense. Be strong. Be strong in holding fast to the Word of the Lord. Don't turn from it, not even a tiny bit, not to the right or to the left. You cling to God with all your might, just like you have up until this day. With all your strength, hold fast to God because there are going to be things that will want to pull you away from Him. The next chapter over, uh, Joshua calls together another assembly. Gathers everybody together for one last sermon. They all gather at a place called Shechem, which was a place that about 600 years earlier, God had met with Abraham and promised him that there was coming a day when all this land was going to be his and he was going to have tons of descendants and God was going to bless him. So there was a lots of symbolic meaning and importance to that place. And there at that place, uh, old man Joshua gives a quick history lesson and reminds them of, of Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and all that God had promised to them. And then, and then he recounts uh, Egypt and what happened there and how God had rescued them from that place and the exodus and the wandering and the and the entering into and the conquering of the land. And really, it's not, it's not a history lesson. It's really more just a reminder about all that God had done. It's to point their eyes back on how awesome and powerful and mighty their God is. Just in case, just in case they'd forgotten, He wants to remind them that, that their God has kept all of His promises. Their God has done exactly what He said He would. Then Joshua says, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Serve Him only. Twice, just in that one verse alone, Joshua encourages them to serve God. And, and he's going to keep on repeating that instruction over and over again. Serve Him. Because I think Joshua knows that, that one of the biggest dangers going forward would be uh, forgetting God and serving other things. Something other than Him. And that is our greatest danger still today. That's always our greatest danger. Forgetting God. Serving something else. There's so many things. There's so many options. Kids and money and work and recreation and pleasure and baseball and food and Control something else. There's always something else that we could give more of our heart to, more of our time and our energy and our focus to. There's so many things. And, and there's this lie that Satan keeps telling us 
that we can have both. That you can have those other things and serve them with part of your heart and then serve God too a little bit. You don't need to serve God with all your heart. That seems excessive. You, you can have both. You can serve this thing and that thing. But we can't. The Bible tells us we can't. Not, not that we shouldn't, but that we can't serve both. We can't serve two masters. We can't serve both God and money. We can't love the world without becoming an enemy of God. We think we can. We think we can do it. But we can't. We have to choose. There has to be a choice that we make. And Joshua, Joshua, he calls them, his people, and us today to choose, to make a choice, and really to keep on choosing. What Joshua is calling them to is not a one-time thing, but a constant ongoing thing. Keep on choosing to serve and obey and follow God. He goes on to say in verse 15, if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, if that doesn't work for you, if that's not what you want to do, then choose. Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which are beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In light of all that God has done, in light of all of God's kept promises and all of God's power and all of God's glory, it really shouldn't be a tough choice, right? It should be super easy. It's weird that Joshua even gives them the choice. He words it in kind of an unusual way. Choose to serve God, but if you don't want to, if that's disagreeable to you to serve Him, then go ahead and choose from one of these other options. Go ahead and choose to keep on worshiping those Egyptian gods. That's an option. Those gods that God made a mockery of through the ten plagues. Those gods that were weak and powerless. Those gods that we left behind because they're really nothing more than superstition and folklore. That's an option. Or you could choose to worship the gods of the Canaanites, the people uh, of this country that we're living in now. Go ahead. Go. You can choose to worship gods like, uh, like Molech, who is so evil and twisted that he demands your children be sacrificed to him. Or, or one of the, like the many goddesses that they have, which really are just an excuse for, uh, for perversion. Or, or you could choose to bow down to, to like little stone creatures that go ahead. See if they'll answer you. You got options, but the way Joshua words it, it makes it really clear that there's no logical option. There's no other God that's worth serving. 
There is only the one true God. Choosing anything other than Him is complete foolishness. Joshua says, you guys go ahead and do what you want to do. But as for me and my household, we're going to keep on serving the Lord. That's what we're going to choose. And I love it. I love the way he words this because it's like an affirmation that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter if the whole world is worshiping something else. We're going to stick with God. Me and those that I'm responsible for, we're going to stick close to God. We're going to keep on choosing God and we're never going to stop. Mm, oh, that, so that's, that's what Joshua calls them to. What choice do you think the congregation is going to make at this point? What are they going to say? It seems obvious, right? Let's look at verse 16. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. The Lord, our God, is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight, preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We will serve the Lord, for He is our God. Yeah! Awesome! Right? They choose that day to follow God. Of course they did. They're in church. That's what they had to say, right? What are they going to say? They say, far be it for us that we're going to forsake the real God and serve some fake God He's done great things. We're only going to serve Him. And you'd think at this point, Joshua would be ecstatic. You'd think he'd be super happy that they made this, this confession of faith. Like immediately tweeting about how God had brought everybody to a saving faith at church that morning and spreading uh, like the word, that look at all that God has done and like taking the rest of the day, we're just humming, I have decided to follow. You'd think that Joshua would just be super happy. His church just affirmed, we're going to serve God. But here's what Joshua says in verse 19. Joshua says to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord. Oh, <laughs> you will not be able to serve the Lord. For He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He'll not forgive your transgression or your sins. Okay, <laughs> it's maybe not the response we expected. No, no, you won't serve him. You say that now. You say that you will. Because, you know, we're all together in this assembly and it's the churchy thing to say. You say the words because the words are pretty easy. But no, you're not going to be able to serve him. He's holy, and you people aren't holy. And Joshua was right. They're not able to serve God. Not, not on their own. Not in their own strength. How, how could they? How? 
He is holy and perfect, and we're sinful and fallen and and bent and, and unholy. We are not able to serve God. You and I are not able to serve God. We can sit here in church all day long and say that we will, that we want to, but we can't. Not in our own strength. We can't. And that's, that's really the lesson of the entire Old Testament. That we need God. We desperately need God. We need His power. And we need His forgiveness. And we need His salvation. We need His work in our lives. We need God to remove that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. We need the Holy Spirit of God to do His work of regeneration, bringing us from death to life. We can't do it ourselves. We can't earn our salvation. We can't try really hard and just hopefully be good enough for a holy God. We will not be able to do it, right? We've tried. It doesn't work. In, a, in this, this little letter to a pastor named Titus, Paul says, we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. We were not holy. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Oh man, praise God that He has saved us. That He has has pulled us out of this domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son. That He gives us His Spirit to enable us to serve Him and to follow Him and to keep on choosing Him. The people, uh, they reply to Joshua by saying, no, no, we will. We will serve the Lord. Joshua says, your witness is against yourselves that you've chosen for yourself the Lord to serve Him. They said, yep, you bet, we're witnesses. And he says, now therefore put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. People said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God. We will obey His voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. After reaffirming their commitment to God, Joshua calls the people to do more than than talk about it, but to act on it. 
Throw away any foreign gods. Get rid of them. Incline your heart to the Lord. Lean into Him. Not, 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 not just with uh, outward actions, but, but with everything, with your whole heart. Lean into Him. Stay close to Him. Then Joshua makes a covenant with the people. A formal contract. Something that's, that's way more binding than just like a, like a smile and a nod. Yes, we're going to follow God. A solemn promise. Uh, kind of like a marriage covenant. And this is the kind of covenant or contract that's not just something that's for a day, but for always. Because again, Joshua's calling them to keep on choosing. Every single day, day after day, to serve God. From that moment on. It really is a lot like a marriage covenant. I mean, we make that first initial commitment to our spouse, right? You have, you have a wedding day. There's a marriage license that you sign. We make a covenant before God and before others. And then, after that day, you have to wake up every single day and keep on choosing to be married to that person. That's the hard part. Well, not for me. It's super easy. <laughs> you have to keep on being humble and keep on sacrificing and keep on submitting and keep on choosing that person over everybody else every single day of your lives together. That's what Joshua is calling the people to do here. That level of commitment. Not just a single uh, act of affirming belief in God but calling them to wake up every single day and keep on choosing to worship Him over every other option there might be out there. That's what you and I are called to. That level of commitment. To choose to serve God every single day. Not just some altar call decision that we made in the past. It's not just this, this like one time ticket into heaven prayer that we say. It is a covenant, a lifestyle, total commitment to God Almighty where we choose every single day that He's going to be our God and nothing else gets to take His place. So choose. Choose this day. I am calling you to choose today who you're going to serve. There's options. You could serve the God of money who promises comfort. He's going to make everything easy for you, but only delivers discontentment. Or the God of sex that will leave you empty and hollow. Or the God of good works that makes us feel good about ourselves for a little bit of time, but has no power to save. Or the God of, of comfort and conformity. It wants us to be just like everybody else and blend in, but requires you to sacrifice convictions and truth or any of the other worthless gods out there. Choose. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do what Joshua did. I'm going to ask you to choose. In your bulletin, there's a contract. It's a piece of paper. It says, I will serve God only and I will remove any idols from my life. I will choose to follow God daily. 
I will be faithful to my spouse to love and respect them. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all of their hearts, all of their minds, and all of their strength. I will confront evil and pursue justice and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness, respect, and compassion. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those I have wronged. I'll learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a person answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, to be faithful to His church, and to obey His Word and do His will. And I will rely on the Holy Spirit of God to grant me the strength to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life and for His glory. And then there's a place for you to sign it and date it at the bottom. God, I pray, Lord, that we would make that level of commitment to You. That we would choose not just today while we're sitting in church, but every single day of our lives, God, that we would choose to follow You. That we would serve You and You alone. We know that there are lots of other options. Lots of things that want our time and attention. God, may we be faithful to You with our whole heart. All of our lives. God, we recognize all that You've done for us. You've saved us. You've rescued us when we were dead. Dead in sin. Entangled in in hopeless, worthless things. Your Spirit made us alive through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, thank You so much, God. Thank You for what You have done for us. You've freed us freed us from that slavery to sin, given us the ability to honor and serve You with our lives. Lord, may may we do that, God. May we live lives that are for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.